you would, Russ, go to the next slide for me, please. Hey, does anybody know what that is? Maybe you have something like this that you use or have used in the past. This is a, a label maker, a label maker. I don't think I've ever actually used a label maker, but maybe you have. Maybe, maybe you love this. Maybe you love putting labels on things. Maybe you had a parent or someone that you lived with that loved labeling things. Maybe a college roommate and they like to label their stuff. Typically, when someone uses a label maker, it's because they are trying to declare that they own this. This is their thing. It would be odd, right, if you were to take a label maker and go into somebody else's home and label their stuff. That'd be a little weird, right, if you tried to label other people's things. But we, we use label makers to put labels on things, to declare, this is what this is, I'm organizing it this way, this thing belongs to me, this is mine. It would be odd to go around labeling other people's stuff. But oftentimes, that's exactly what people do. People label each other, people declare ownership over someone, people set someone off for some purpose that maybe they want or maybe they don't. And labels, they're all around us. We live in a label-driven world. And I think we're very aware of this. I think we're conscious of the things that define who we are, our identity, we might call it. Um, But it's important to think about these things. Some labels that are given, some labels that we get, are chosen. Some are not. Sometimes we're labeled certain things, um, and those things we did not choose. Sometimes we are labeled things, and they are true and accurate and deserved. Sometimes we get labeled things, or other people are labeled things, and those descriptions are not true and not accurate. But when we allow people to label us, we allow them to alter our identity by claiming us for themselves or for a purpose. When I was in high school, um, I went. Uh, we moved from from Texas to, to Memphis, and my freshman year of high school went to this brand new high school. I told a story about that last time I preached, about that first day of school, uh, of going into to lunch and someone coming over and sitting with me and how good that felt. I had another tough moment that same week. The first Friday of the week, I found out that, that my high school had this tradition called Freshman Friday. And here's what they would do on Freshman Friday is the upperclassmen would get a Sharpie or a black marker. They would find a freshman. This is terrible. Okay? They would find a freshman, and they would take this Sharpie or marker, and they would mark an F on that freshman's forehead. It's awful. Don't laugh. It's terrible. I was telling a, a group of students this at a class one time, and I was like, why would they do that? And one of the kids was like, because it's funny. And I was like, this is the kid we need to watch out for. This is the, this is the problem right here. They would do this kind of things. And it was, I was terrified. I didn't know this was happening. And I remember getting cornered one time for someone to put that F on my forehead and how like terrifying it was. Thankfully, someone came to my rescue and didn't allow it to happen. But they would do this because they thought it was funny. But it's kind of traumatizing, and it would have an effect on people. And the reason they did it was to put these people in their place, to let them know that you are not as important as us. You are a freshman, so we're going to label you and put this mark on you. Labels affect us. They affect everyone. Labels sometimes are things that you have done, or maybe it's things that you haven't done. We get labeled things based on our appearance and the way that we look. We're labeled based on what we wear or don't wear. We're labeled based on how much success or lack of success we have. Pictures of, of family, we, we put things out there to try to label ourselves a certain way and we view other people's pictures and we put a label and a description and an identity on them. 
We're labeled by our talents and abilities. We're labeled by the kinds of cars we drive and the subdivisions we live in, maybe the churches we go to. We're labeled by all kinds of stuff. And here's the truth about labels, and this is true. A label may describe you. A label may describe you. Sometimes we get a label for something, and it ends up defining us, maybe for a really long period of time. Maybe you get this reputation, you get known for something, and it's very public, and whether it's true or not, it it almost becomes true because it defines who we are. Sometimes labels are accurate, sometimes they're even deserved, sometimes they're not. But here's the thing about labels. You get to choose. And to illustrate this, I want to read a part of a children's story to you, if that's okay. And in fact, in your life groups tonight, I've put it in there to do this children's story together. I've put a link to where you can find it. We'll, I don't if you'll do it or not, but if you, especially if you have kids, it's a good thing to do. But this children's story is called You Are Special. And to me, it's one of the best children's stories ever written. And let me just summarize what's going on at the beginning here. There's these wooden people that live in this town. They're called Wemmicks. And all day long, every day, they do the same thing. And they give each other these gray dots and stickers. And on the next slide, if you would, go there. Let me just read this one page. It says, all day, every day, the Wemmicks did the same thing. They gave each other stickers. Each Wemmick had a box of golden star stickers and a box of gray dot stickers. Up and down the streets, all over the city, people spent their days sticking stars or dots on one another. The pretty ones, those with smooth wood and fine paint, always got stars. But if the wood was rough or the paint chipped, the Wemmicks gave dots. And in, and later on in the book, and uh, you see that certain Wemmicks, you know, if they can jump over boxes and throw a ball really far, they get stars. If they look a certain way or can sing, they get stars. Other ones, if they fall down or if they mess up or or say something silly, they get gray dots. And our character in the story, Punchinello, he, he gets a lot of dots. And he even hangs around with other wooden people who have a lot of dots. And the reason is because it makes him feel better to hang around those Wemmicks. And at some point, he just gets so frustrated with it. He's like, I don't like this. He's looking out his window one day, and he's like, this isn't, this isn't right, that people are just giving each other these stickers, these labels, And so he recognizes there's this other wooden person named Lucia. And Lucia has no stickers, no dots. And so he goes to her and he asks her, like, what's your secret? And she says, you need to go see Eli the woodcarver. And so Punchinello thinks about it for a while. And finally he decides to go see Eli. He's a little intimidated because I don't know if he's ever seen Eli before. And he gets into Eli's shop and Eli knows exactly who Punchinello is. And we get this exchange, the last two pages of the book. Eli says this to Punchinello. He says, every day I've been hoping you'd come, Eli explained. I came because I met someone who had no marks, said Punchinello. I know. She told me about you. Why don't the stickers stay on her? The maker spoke softly. Because she has decided that what I think is more important than what they think. The stickers only stick if you let them. What? The stickers only stick if they matter to you. The more you trust my love, the less you care about their stickers. I'm not sure I understand. And then the last page of the book says this. Eli smiled. You will, but it will take time. You've got a lot of marks. For now, just come to see me every day and let me remind you how much I care. Eli lifted Punchinello off the bench and set him on the ground. Remember, Eli said as the Wemmick walked out the door, you are special because I made you and I don't make mistakes. Punchinello didn't stop, 
But in his heart, he thought, I think he really means it. And when he did, a dot fell to the ground. And it's this neat story about stickers and labels. And like, it's a children's story. But don't miss the point that's so impactful for us as adults. This is an adult story. We do what the wooden people do. We go around and we give gold stickers and gray dots. We label people certain ways by the things that they can do or how they look, their appearances, what they're posting about. We label people all the time. And just like Punchinello, maybe you're in this position where you're witnessing all this and you're thinking to yourself, this isn't right. I don't like this. And the secret is the same. We need to care more what our creator thinks about us than what other people think about us, which is easier said than done. It's a challenging thing to do. Um, I did this chapel one time, and I, I might have talked about this before. I did this chapel for the younger kids where uh, I was talking about names, and we hadn't had Houston, our youngest child, yet. And so I, I was like, hey, we're trying to decide what we're going to name our youngest kid, so we're going to have you guys vote on it. It was elementary students. We're going to have you vote on the name of our child. And so I gave them some options of different names through in Houston. One of the options was the name Batman. And I was like, hey, let's vote. Which name do we, we think we want to pick? And guess which name they picked? They picked Batman. They wanted me to name our kid Batman, which would have been pretty awesome because he could go around and be like, I am Batman. That would be pretty cool. But... I was like, do you think I'm actually going to name our kids Batman? Name my kid Batman? And they were like, no. I was like, how crazy would it be if I let a group of kids determine what I name my child? And they were like, yeah, that would be crazy. That would be weird to do that. But how often do we actually let a group of kids or a group of people our own age name us? How often do we let other people decide who we are going to be, what our identity is, and give us this name based on a popular vote or, or some, some determination that this is who you are when in actuality it is not who we are at all? Here's the thing about our labels. You get to choose. You get to choose what your label is. And my hope and prayer for you is that you choose the label that God has given you. And to illustrate this, I I want to look at a couple examples from Scripture. The first is from Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. And it's the story of the rich young man. This is an awesome story. I love this story. Look at Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 17. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. Okay, so we get this scenario where this man, and do we know what his name is? No, we don't know what his name is. What do we know him by? We know him by his label. He is rich. He is rich. We know him by the way that other people see him. Other people see him as rich, and that's how we know him. He comes running up to Jesus, which it would be weird for someone wealthy to come running, and then he falls in the dirt, and that would be an unusual thing for a rich person to do, before Jesus, and we get this evangelistic dream come true. What do I need to do to to be saved? What do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus gives this answer that's kind of surprising. He doesn't talk about faith or grace. He doesn't list the five steps of salvation. He doesn't talk about baptism, right? He doesn't talk about any of those things. In fact, what he says is unusual. He gives them this list of things to do, these commandments to follow. And in verse 20, the rich young man says, Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. And then we get this passage in verse 21. And I love what happens here. 
Jesus looked at him and loved him. And notice first, when Jesus loves the man, does he love this man before or after the man decides what he's going to do? He loves him before. Jesus loves this rich young man before the rich young man, if you know the end of the story, walks away sad because he can't do what Jesus is asking him to do. So Jesus looks at him and loves him. And then Jesus says, one thing you lack, he said, go sell everything that you have and give it to the poor. This would be, to many people, a crazy thing to do. For many people, the fact that he was wealthy meant that he was blessed by God. And so to sell all of that, would have been an odd request for Jesus to make. Sell all of it, give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And then the most significant part of this passage is the next part where Jesus says, then come follow me. You see, this rich young man who we don't know his name, we know him by his label. His label is he is rich. And what is the very thing that Jesus asks him to give up? His money. The very thing that people know him by. People knew him as rich, and that is the thing that Jesus says, I don't want you to be known by that any longer. Instead, I want you to come follow me. Make your identity about me. Make your label about me, about Jesus. Is this a bad label? No, many of us would love to have this label, right? Would love to have people look at us and think, hey, that's the rich, that's the rich young man, right? Or the rich young woman, This isn't a negative thing. This is what people want. Some people work their whole lives to get this label. And yet, Jesus says, this is the very thing that I want you to give up. I don't think this story is necessarily a story about money and wealth. Although maybe it could be for you. I I think this story is about identity. And it is about Jesus saying, make your identity not about your wealth or whatever labels you make your identity about me. Make it about Jesus. Another story, John chapter 8. And this is a story about a woman, and we don't know her name. Instead, we know her by her label. This is the story about the woman caught in adultery. John chapter 8, look at verse 2. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. And the law of Moses or commanded, commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? And we find out in verse 6 what's going on. They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. So Jesus is teaching. And in the middle of his teaching, these religious leaders cause this huge scene and they bring in this woman who was caught in the act of adultery. Okay. First of all, who's missing from this story? The man. Where's the man at? Technically, according to the law of Moses, both should be punished. But they've only brought the woman here. This is a trap. This is a setup. And here's what they're doing. If Jesus says, uh, no, don't stone her, then he has not followed the law of Moses. If he says, yes, stone her, then this is this horrifying event that all of these people are a part of. And so they've got him in this trap. But they can't trap Jesus because here's what happens next. Uh, especially if you're familiar with the story, follow along. But Jesus bent down, started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, if any one of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. And then he bends down again, starts writing. People start to leave. And then look at verse 10. Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. 
then neither do I condemn you. And here's the key part. It's not just, I don't condemn you for this sin. Jesus declared, go now and leave your life of sin. There's a lot of lessons from this story. But one I want to touch on for just a minute is, this woman, we don't know her name. We know her by her label. We know her by how other people identified her. Other people knew her as, this is the woman caught in adultery. Probably forever she would be known for that in some sense. There's a huge crowd there. This is her label. And Jesus says to her, leave that. Go now and leave your life of sin and make it about me. Don't don't get caught up and let this define who you are. Instead, make yourself defined by following Jesus. For us, we might have a different label that describes ourselves. Maybe it's a good thing. Maybe people know you for something really positive and you like the label that you have. That might be the very thing you have to give up and then make your identity about Jesus. Or maybe you have a negative thing that people know you as. Leave that. Don't just, sometimes I think we're, we're guilty of, well, they think of this, me, they think about this, they think this about me anyways. So it must be true or I'll just, I'll just go along with it anyways. When in actuality, we need to leave that and make our identity about Jesus. A label may describe you, but your identity in Christ defines you. A label may describe you, but your identity in Christ defines you. Now, a distinction I want to make real quick is character and reputation. Uh, There is a a difference between character and reputation, and both are important. Character is who you are. Your reputation is who people think that you are. Can you have good character and a bad reputation? Yes. Can you have a good reputation and bad character? Absolutely, right? You, You want good character and good reputation. You should care about both those things. But what we shouldn't do is, it's not like I'm saying, hey, don't care what other people think about you. We should care what other people think about us. But don't let what other people think about you define who you are. Make your identity in Christ define who you are. Ephesians chapter 1 passage that Barton read for us. Going back to verse 3, Paul writes, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. And verse 7, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. God chose you. God chose you. God gets the last word about you. God gets the last word about me. God is the Alpha and Omega. He is the beginning and end. He is the Ancient of Days. He is the first and the last. He spoke the first words about us before there was even an us to consider. And then he also speaks the last word over us as well. And whatever other people say about you, it is important to know that God is speaking to. God is speaking to. Sometimes I think we almost forget that, or we don't think about that. We get so caught up and worked up about what other people think about us that we forget that God is speaking to. Cam Newton, uh, who plays football, he's a quarterback. He played at a college that maybe some of you like. Uh, He had a son not too long ago, and he named his son Chosen. Chosen Newton. It's a 
I like that name. It's a good name, right? And part of when he was asked why he named his son Chosen, he said, well, in his class, I want him to be the only kid in there with that name. And I was thinking it'd be weird if there was another kid with the name Chosen, because then it'd be like, I was chosen first. No, I was chosen. Anyways, it could get confusing that way. But I, I kind of like that idea because you know, our names are chosen. That is the kind of the name that we are given. You are chosen. I am chosen. We can all share that name of chosen together. It's okay that you have that name too. Because it's not about who has that name. It's about the fact that the God of the universe gave it to us in Christ. And to understand and know that we are chosen. That you are not rejected. That you are chosen by God. That you are not insignificant. That you are chosen by God. That you are not forgotten or unplanned. You are not a surprise. You are not not lovable. You are not not valuable. You have been and always will be to God that's in heaven of extraordinary value. And that before there was a world for you to live in, before there was a church for you to see God in or a summer camp for you to to give your life to Christ at, before there was a universe, God was already on the record and God said, I choose you. And those other words, those labels that describe us, those identifying marks, like those, some of them might be true. Some of those labels and words that other people give us that identify who we are, there might be truth to those things. And those are real words. And maybe those words that people have identified you with, those words are real and they hurt. They're real words, but they are not the last words. Those words that people use to describe you, those labels, they are not the final words. They are God's word over you. This morning, maybe you're here and maybe you have settled for the wrong word, for the wrong thing. Maybe you have settled for the wrong label. This morning, we need to have revelation this morning, in a sense. And revelation not by some mysterious word that God gives you that nobody else have, but revelation in that the ability to see what God has already spoken in his word that is right in front of you right now. And that is that God gets the last word over you. One more quick story. So, the greatest movie trilogy of all time. I'm, of course, talking about Toy Story. Uh, Toy Story is the greatest movie trilogy of all time. And so in Toy Story uh, 1, there's this scene where you got, you got Buzz and Woody, and they've got this rivalry in the first movie. And the thing about Buzz is Buzz doesn't realize something. What does Buzz not realize? He's a toy. doesn't realize that he's a toy. And he thinks he's a space ranger, a real space ranger, and they get kidnapped, and they're at the next-door neighbor's house. Um, can't remember what his name is, but he was, he's kind of a punk. Anyways, they're, Sid, I think was his name. And so they're at his house and Sid's got these bad plans for Buzz and Woody and Buzz is trying to escape. And as he's trying to escape, he sees on the television a commercial from Star Command. And he tries to answer the Star Command, but he realizes it's a commercial. He watches it for a minute and it talks, it's another Buzz Lightyear and basically says, this is a, a toy, a flying toy. And it rocks his world. He's shaken by it. But he kind of puts himself back together and he goes out into the hallway and he sees this open window and he decides, well, he's going to fly out that window. He's going to prove to himself that he can actually fly. And so he climbs the banister. The music gets really thematic at this moment. And he gets to the top and he jumps off to fly. And then he starts to fall. And he kind of 
flips over as he's falling and the camera zooms in on his face and you can see this realization in his eyes that he is just a toy. A little while later, Woody's trapped under this cage and Buzz is sitting nearby with a firecracker strapped to his back and he's, he's sitting there and Buzz just looks so dejected. And Woody, who's been kind of a rival to him, he's trying to get Buzz to help him and to wake up and come to his senses. And he says this to Buzz. He says, listen, you're a toy, but you're not just a toy. There is a little boy that lives next door named Andy. And to him, you are not just a toy. You are Buzz Lightyear. You are a space ranger. You are special to him. And this kind of works on Buzz for a little bit, but in a second he looks down. If you remember, he looks down and he sees something underneath his boot. What does he see? You remember? He sees a name. He sees the name Andy. And that's when he realizes who he really is. He's not just a space ranger. He belongs to Andy. He has value and purpose in that. This morning, maybe you're here and maybe, maybe you need to look inside for a moment. Maybe you need to look up. Maybe you need to look somewhere and see where your value lies. Your value is not found in the labels that other people give you, whether good or bad. Your value is found that you are chosen by God and that he loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you on the cross. This morning, if you're here and you have let other labels that people have given you define you for too long and you want to change that, we want to give you an opportunity to respond to the invitation. Or if instead of allowing yourself to be identified by Christ, you've identified yourself in some other ways and you need to repent of that, we want to give you that opportunity. Or if this morning for the very first time, you want to put your identity in Christ by being baptized and being marked by the Holy Spirit, we want to give you that opportunity as well. This morning, whatever need you have, whatever way we can encourage you, won't you come now as together we stand and sing. Over all the earth you 